So, as John Gibson just wonderfully preached about the Holy Spirit and hearing His voice uh, last week, I enjoyed that message so much. Um, the elders that were praying this Friday, and uh, John just received another word from the Lord that we need to be camping out here for a little while before we go into the gifts and the ministries of the Spirit. We need to know the voice of the Lord. We need to know that the Holy Spirit is inside of us as a believer. And uh, if you've got to ask yourself the question about whether you're a believer or whether um, you're born again, you're not. And we can do something about that today. So if you don't know anything about that, about being born again, we we can fix that right at the end of service. But for those who are born again, one of the benefits of being his child is getting to know his voice. And we can know that through his word. But you guys were able to experience that today, hearing different people come up and give different words. That's the Lord that's speaking as well. Someone gave a tongue. And I was like, oh God, someone please give an interpretation. And they did. And there were words of encouragement and edification and direction. Don't harden your heart if you hear his voice today. That's the voice of the Lord as well. He uses vessels like us to do that. Not just one man who comes up here and speaks, but every man and every woman. Like Moses said when people were prophesying and Joshua got upset about it, tell them to stop. He's like, no, I wish they would all do that. Because we're a kingdom of priests and kings, royal blood. And that's part of our inheritance. So, during the week, the Lord was just, I just asked the Lord, I was like, how, how can I keep going off of what John was saying concerning hearing your voice? Because one of the questions that I know I got an awful lot even growing up, and even as an adult, is like, how do I know I'm not hearing just me? Or hearing some other voice. And there are plenty of competing voices out there. Some that might sound a little similar to our shepherd's voice. But we've got to be able to distinguish what is of us, what is of the world, and what's of him. So one of the things that we need to look at, being led by the Holy Spirit, is that one of the things that he is, is our guide. And... If you could turn again to John 16. John 16. This is Jesus speaking before he's getting ready to go to the cross. And his disciples are definitely very upset. 16 verse 5, But now I go away to him, to the Father, who sent me. And none of you ask, where are you going? But because of these things that I've said, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. It is to your benefit that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper 
will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you will not see me anymore. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is of Mine and declare it to you. So we look at that amazing statement because I know I thought it's like man I, to live during that time to hear to touch Jesus to be one of his disciples following him hearing his wonderful voice and here's Jesus getting ready to be crucified he says it is better that I go and another part he says I'm not going to leave you as orphans there's someone who's just like me who's going to come alongside, who's going to dwell inside of you. He is the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit too. If you guys turn to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Start with verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And we sang part of this today. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you receive the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So, the promises of as we are born again, and it is a wonderful experience, it is something that we talked about in the foundation series that is a total gift from God. It is what we walk on every single day, though, the foundation. And it is wonderful, it's great to know that love as a baby. You know, you watch how cute they are, how cuddly they are, you know, but... The world kind of revolves around that little baby for a while. When they cry, you give them something to drink. They cry, you change their diapers or whatever it might be. And it is a wonderful time. They're so cute and adorable. But there comes a time where the baby's got to be weaned. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit, begins that process in us to where 
we have to start seeking after him. We don't just get these things automatically, maybe like we used to. And I'm going to start kind of delving into uh, the children of Israel as they were leaving Egypt and then they're in the wilderness. So, <clears throat> but before I go into that, there's a couple things I've, I've talked about before concerning um, the Holy Spirit. Is that we've got to be careful that through the Holy Spirit that we listen to him. He is our guide. He's not a co-pilot. I always kind of cringed when I was younger. Like, God is my co-pilot. It's like, he's Lord. He's not a co of anything. And we need, as we're exhorted today, if you hear his voice, obey it. If he tells you, go left, and you're like, no, I'm going to keep going straight. Disaster. And that disaster is hardness of heart. So, and that's one of the things that we need to look at, too, is that through the Holy Spirit we receive grace. The ability, the God-given ability from Him, God's unmerited favor on our life. If we walk in the Spirit and continue on in grace, we can hear Him. We can become children of God. But there's another part of us that sometimes wants to gravitate back to the law. Back to rules, back to regulations. And once you do that, you're headed down a dangerous road. Because it is. This Christian walk is about a relationship. It's not about following rules. Now, there are standards and conducts and all the things that go along with that. But, as the law taught, taught us, the Torah, one of the things it did teach us, is that we could never follow and keep the entire law. You break one part of it, you've broken the entire law. Just one little bit. There's nothing wrong with the law. I'm not going to bash the law like some people do. I love the law of God. It's holy. It's good. It's spiritual. But it wasn't meant to make us righteous before God. That was impossible. Part of what was therefore was to diagnose the sin that was in us. But it couldn't heal us. We have one physician. That's Christ Jesus. Not the law. The law was a guide. The law was a tutor. As it held our hand. As we thought, well, we can keep doing this. If we just try harder, I can make God like me. If I just do a little bit better than that guy over there, God will think I'm clever. God sees all of us for what we are. We cannot do it. You cannot achieve that righteousness before God. Only through His grace. Only by relying on Him. Only looking to Him who's done it already. So these things are mutually exclusive. You can't mix the two. And that was part of my own issue. You guys have heard some of my testimony if I just try to battle this sin, I can do it, Lord. And I remember this morning as I was meditating and getting in His Word, that stupid uh, saying, I don't know if you guys have seen the memes before, where it says, here, hold my beer. And they go do something stupid and stuff like that. 
And I feel like the Lord was saying that. That's kind of like us in the flesh. It's like, here, Lord, hold my beer while I go try to slay this, this giant or to go do this thing. And you just get knocked right on your butt so fast. So, again, the requirements of the law is this. It's like, cursed is everyone who's not keep all the time everything that's written in the law. James says, if you stumble in one area of the law, you broke it. Every bit of it. But that's one thing about the natural man. Okay, that flesh part of us is always trying to keep a list of rules. The balance of the scales, the Egyptians did that a lot and stuff. When they talked about when they went into the afterlife, maybe my good deeds will outweigh my, my bad deeds. That's totally of the world. The Lord has done something brand new. Turn to Romans 3. Starting with verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth might be stopped. And all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and of the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is through faith in Jesus Christ to all. And on all who believe... There is no difference, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And it is good news. And it just keeps getting better. But you've got to learn the lessons that the law has brought along too. Stop trying to do it yourself. Give up on it. If there is someone who could have boasted on all this, that was Paul. He says, I'm leaving it behind to get to know him. So, I'm going to kind of switch gears now. We're going to talk about bread. What in the world does that have to do with hearing the voice of the Lord? So, if we can kind of travel way back to Exodus 16. Exodus So the children of Israel are in the wilderness right now. Starting with verse 2, 16 verse 2, the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured and complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. That's one of the things that the flesh will always do. 
It'll remind you of that past life. It's like, man, wasn't it so much greater, so, so much better? Wasn't it so much easier to be back in that lifestyle where you're just kind of doing your own thing? And the, what the, these guys said right here, too, is like we sat around big pots of meat and ate. They were slaves to Pharaoh, slaves to sin. And not only that, they had to build all these great edifices. And their firstborn sons were thrown in the Nile River. What do you mean you're sitting around eating meat? But that's what the flesh does. It twists things. Beware. That's not the voice of the Lord right there. The flesh will always try to inflate and try to make your past seem like some, you know, the glory days, that stupid song. I don't know who sang it. But man, if they weren't that great, and they weren't that glorious. We live in glory. We who are of the promise. Sitting around eating meat. <laughs> Grief. Going down to verse 10. So it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, says, I have heard the murmurings of these people. Say to them, at twilight you'll eat meat, and in the morning you'll be filled with bread. Going down to verse 13, so it was that the quails came up in the evening and it covered the camp, and in the morning, the dew lay all around the camp. And when the dew, the layer of it, had lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Yet Moses said, This is the bread which the Lord has given to you to eat. So, as they were in need and want, the Lord begins to supernaturally provide the stuff that they said, well, what is this? It's manna. It came down out of heaven to feed them, to sustain them. So they were ordered every morning, every man according to his need, in verse 21, it says, when the sun began, I'm sorry, let me back up a little bit. They were to gather in the morning. Because when the sun came, it melted. And part of what the Lord was saying to me as I was reading this, um, it is so important that before the heat of the day, before we get into the rigmaroles and the things that tug on us, the good things, the bad things, or whatever, that that manna, that fresh bread that comes down, is that we need to partake of that. Because before the, when the day starts, it ain't stopping. And I'm not saying, well, does that you know if I work third shift the night? It's like, listen, find that place, find that place where you can get alone with the Lord, that secret place, that closet. James says he goes up there to seek the Lord, wherever it is, find it, set aside that time because when the sun comes and all those pressures come. Like, man, he would have wished he would have spent that time with the Lord. Today, if you hear his voice, 
Don't harden your heart. Get in there a little bit. Just a little bit. Pretty soon you'll become addicted in a good way. You guys doing okay? All right. Let's go to numbers. This is number 13. I'm not going to read everything that's in it, but it's where the 12 spies were sent out to check out the promised land, to see what was in there, to bring back some of its produce. And we know the, the terrible story of the 10 spies who said, yeah, it's, it's a great place. So much fruit. It is a land filled with milk and honey, but there's giants there. And they brought back an evil report. 13 verse 30, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. And he said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we and they gave the children of Israel a bad report, or an evil report, of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is the land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people we saw in it were men of great statues. There were giants, the descendants of Anak, which came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight, again, looking at themselves. We were like grasshoppers (laughs) in our own sight and theirs. Caleb had a different idea, though. If we go to chapter 14, starting with verse 6, people are starting to rebel. Let's go back to Egypt. And then Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. Sorry if I butchered that. Caleb, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and he spoke to all the congregation, the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through, the spied out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. It's a land which flows with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. Or fear the people of this land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. And I want you guys to, to think on that for a second. With Caleb and Joshua, there was that different spirit. The one that was united with faith. The one that said, this is our land. We're going to possess it. It's going to be ours. They're not going to eat us. We're going to eat them. They're going to sustain us. Because the Lord is with us and their protection is gone. But unfortunately, they would not listen. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back. So what does that have to do with us today? Everything. The inheritance of God. Those gifts that he wants to give you. 
as we enter into the promised land, the gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. He's already inside of you, but he has good gifts to give. He has an inheritance for you. Not only for yourself, but your family. In the preceding generations until he comes back. That we would live in that good land, the land of promise. And it does keep getting better. But we have to have that mind of Caleb where he looked at it. Most of the other ten spies looked at it and it was like it was complete despair. But to him it was an opportunity. You guys don't have to turn there in uh, Acts 14. I think this was Peter that was talking. I think it was Paul. I'm sorry. Verse 21, it says, When they had preached the gospel to the city, they made many disciples, and they returned to Lystria, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. And this was a point of tribulation for the children of Israel, not having food, not having water, having giants in the land that are blocking every entryway into their inheritance. Those are part of our tribulations too, the things that we have to walk through. But think about this though. Instead of being in depression or sadness, that we could have that spirit that Caleb had too, where it's an opportunity to get into his kingdom. Another opportunity that we can go through these trials that we can go through these tribulations, not looking for a fight, but not afraid to fight either, though. Because all authority has been given to us by the Son. For our sons and for our daughters, for the ones who walked away from the faith, we have that authority. Those are a part of our inheritance. It's not some mystical land. We're going to inherit that in the kingdom of heaven, I believe. But it's people. Why do I keep yelling? <laughs> I hope I'm not yelling. All right. Back to numbers. <clears throat> so we go to the Lord speaking. This is in chapter 14. Verse 23, they, God speak, they certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. Today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, don't harden your heart. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will. Bring him into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. And that was a promise, a promise from the Lord to Caleb. You think he believed that? All right. Unfortunately, he had to wait 40 years, he and Joshua, until that entire congregation died in the wilderness. And even though they paid for what they did, 
Think about this. God's mercy even in that. He still clothed them. He still fed them. He still gave them water. It says their feet didn't swell. Their clothes didn't wear out for 40 years. He still took care of them even though they failed. He is merciful. He is also severe. They didn't get in, but their kids did. And so did Joshua. So did Caleb. So, they're told they're going to be ready to wander for 40 years. So, in verse 39, this is in chapter 14, it says, Moses told the people... And to all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. And they rose up early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain, saying, Here we are. It says, We will go to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not go up, lest you be defeated by your enemies. For the Lord is not among you. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you. You shall fall by the sword because you have turned away from the Lord. And the Lord is not going to be with you. But they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, neither the ark nor the covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. And the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountain came down and attacked them and drove them far back as Hormah. And again, we see that if they had done that first, hearing the voice of the Lord and obeying it and not listening to the other ten spies who had given that evil report, they would have gone right in there and gotten it right then and there. But now, after their rebuke and after being told by the Lord himself, he's like, you guys are going to be out here for 40 years wandering. You've tested me ten times already. Now get out there and start wandering. It's like, no, we're ready now. We've sinned. We're sorry. And it was too late. And that's the flesh always going back and forth. Always back and forth. We're ready to go to Egypt. Find us a leader. Bring us back. No, we're ready to go right into the promised land. Still. At one time that was the command of the Lord to go inherit the land. But that time was gone for them. They had disobeyed and hardened their hearts once too many times. So now they had to suffer for what they had done. And I can't imagine Moses and Miriam and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb and that entire generation, 19 and under, having to wait 40 more years. The patience for that. So, if you could turn to Joshua 14. Joshua 14, starting with verse 6. So by this time, most of the land had been conquered. They were in it. And the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. And here he is in Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. The Kenite was there. And he says, you know the word which the Lord 
Moses, the man of God concerning you and me at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly follow the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed me in the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he has said these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses. While Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now... Here I am this day, 85 years old, and yet I am as strong this day as I was on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so is my strength for war, both for coming out and for coming in. Now therefore, give me this mountain, which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. And that the cities were great and they're fortified. It may be that the Lord will deliver them to me. And I will drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him. And gave him Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. So Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb. Because he followed the Lord God of Israel. So... That was a place of strength for the enemy. But Caleb didn't care. He knew what he had heard from the Lord. And he mixed that together with that faith. And he held on to that word that Moses spoke to him. Saying, wherever your foot treads, it's going to be your inheritance. Because you believed. You and Joshua did. And then Joshua, in the end, gets to bless his friend Caleb. I like to think that they were friends. I think they were. The only two left from that generation. But what an encouragement that was. So the last part, before we wrap things up, um, I'd like to go to John. John 6. You guys have been very patient. I appreciate it. Someone had already said this verse, John 6, starting with verse 28. And they said to him, to Jesus, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. And therefore they said to him, well, what sign will you perform that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Just remember, he just fed 5,000 not too long ago. What will you do? Our fathers ate manna in the desert as written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, 
Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And he said, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you, and you've seen me, that you do not believe. So we see that in the Old Testament right there. He was the bread that came down out of heaven. He is the bread, the bread of life. Going down to verse 38. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread I shall give him is my flesh, which I give my life for the world. And of course there was a huge... Like, what do you mean you're going to give us your flesh to eat? What are you talking about? And many people were offended because of that. Just like they were in the Old Testament. They were offended. What, do you, what is this stuff we've got to eat? Manna. What is this? Wasn't it like the same thing they were asking Jesus? Who do you think you are? Isn't Joseph your dad? And your mom, isn't she around here? And your brothers and sisters? Very offended by what he said. So, because it does, it pricks our flesh. That part of us that wants to do what it wants to do. What do you mean we've got to rely on you? We don't have any say in that? Any part of that? Anyway. Starting in verse 62. What then if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? Here it is, guys. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are a spirit. And they are life. But there's some of you who do not believe. For the Lord knew from the beginning those who would not believe and who would later betray him. And we think of that, the instance too, where Jesus was contending with the devil in the wilderness. And he was hungry, just like the children were in Israel. They were hungry for bread. And Satan knew this. And he came to the master and said, turn these stones into bread. He's man does not live on bread alone. But every word that proceeds from God's mouth, every single word, that's how we live. He's the one that sustains us. He's the one that's going to get us through this. And just because you are going through a hard time right now, like I said before, it might not necessarily mean that you're doing something wrong. There may be a pruning that's going on, a disciplining, a training to get to that next level in Him. But today, as we've heard, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. 
He is the bread of life. Just come to Him. Come to Him as we came today. Feasting on Him. We have to. We've got no other life besides what He has given us. So, what does this have to do with hearing the Lord? He could take something as simple as bread and make it a living word for you. Something that you can hold of. You can be like Caleb. You can hear that promise that came from a brother or sister in the Lord. And you can hold on to that promise. Say, I'm going to believe it. I don't care how old I am. I'm just as strong right now to go into battle when I was a young man or when I'm an old man. Coming in and going out. The Lord is your strength. He's the one that comforts you. Get to know His voice. To those experiences that you had in your life, you can look back at, you can recognize His voice. He'll make it easy for you. He'll make it simple for you. And there's always a practical application to all this. He'll do it so you can love your wife more. So you can honor your husband more. So you can train your children in the ways they should go. So when they get old, they won't depart from it. So you can, like John, like you would say, love one another. Laying down your lives for each other. You'll keep teaching these lessons. Amen? All right. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that... You are the bread of life. Lord, you are the one that sustains us. We, Lord, Lord, as your children, we want more of you. We want to know your voice. As you said, Lord, it's like my sheep know my voice. So, Lord, give us hearing ears. Lord, give us a heart that's soft, not hard, that we want to hear what you have to say to us. Lord, you have given us a new heart, a heart of flesh that wants to obey the Holy Spirit. Train us in everything that you need to do, Lord. In every little instant, small and great, Lord. And Lord, always help us never to forsake small beginnings. Keep us humble, Lord. Keep us hungry, focused on you. Bless these people today, Lord. And for those who are sick, Lord, touch them. Jesus' name, amen.